and we didn't get any tree branches through our windshields on our vehicles and we had to move the vehicles away from the trees but uh, we were able to do that we're studying in the book of Hebrews and Hebrews chapter 8 starts out with an interesting turn of words. It says, now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. He said, this, this is all, this is a culmination of what we've said up to this point. Um, we're, we're summing up what we said, and here's, here's the crux of the matter. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. That says a lot right there. We were talking about the high priest and how Jesus is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek has no beginning or end. And... This, what he says about Jesus here, says we have a high priest who is set on the right hand of the majesty. Well, what does that say to us? Jesus, our high priest, is seated, that is, he's given the right to sit in the presence of the majesty of God, the creator of all things. He has the right no one else can do that. No one. And not only that, but he's at the right hand of God, which says this is, this is a position of honor. We're Hebrews chapter 8. All right. So it says, not only is he in this position, an honored position in the presence of God, the majesty in the heavens. I, I think of majesty. And we look out and we see all of these stars up above us. And we can't count the stars. And now we know there are probably as many galaxies out there full of stars as there are as we can count stars that's exciting you know science has shown us some of the majesty of our god and we've just scratched the surface i think his power and authority goes far beyond all of that that is the majesty in the heavens. Wow. Sun and the moon are just beginning. Each of those stars out there is a sun to some other planets or whatever. And we look up and we see the constellations. We see Orion and the Pleiades and the 
Big Dipper, Ursa, Ursa Major, as we call it, or it has been called, and Ursa Minor, the Little Dipper. These are vast constellations with stars that are who knows how many light years apart. We think about light years apart and the, the Pleiades, it's also known as the Seven Sisters because they could see seven stars up there. We know that there are nine now that we can see through telescopes. And there may be more than that, all, but they're all lined up in a straight line from the Earth and they look like they're close together light years apart, all of them. We don't know how God did that, but he's able. This is, our, this is part of the majesty of God. They're all in a straight line, so we see them as a little cluster of stars in the sky. And there is some movement that we know over the year, over the eons, that stars do move slightly. And, and yet, God is still in control. He directs them, keeps them in line, so to speak. And uh, he is our God. But Jesus, his son, and in verse 2 here says, is a minister of the sanctuary, and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, and not man. Well, this says a lot, too, because this tabernacle was what Moses designed the tabernacle on earth after. God gave him a vision, and he was able to see this tabernacle in heaven. It goes on here, uh, it'll... We'll talk about that uh, in verse 5. But this tabernacle was not pitched by man. This is not a, a tent that was put up by man. I imagine the enormity and the beauty of this in heaven is far more than the beauty of the tabernacle that where they worshipped as, as the children of Israel went out of Egypt. But this is the true tabernacle, the one that the one on earth was designed after. And Jesus is the minister or the official uh, person in charge of this true tabernacle. Verse 3 says, For every high priest is ordained, to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. What Jesus was uh, required by his position as the high priest to make offering. And there was no other offering that could possibly be made in, that pos in this position, in the true tabernacle, except his own life. And he gave his life on the cross. So he says he must have 
he was appointed to this job, but he has to have something to offer. And he did. He gave, gave his own life, his own lifeblood. Verse 4 says, if he were on earth, he should not be a priest. He, he wouldn't be a priest at all on earth. He was rejected by Israel, rejected by the priesthood here, the Aaronic priesthood. Uh, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, they already had their priests. They, they didn't need Jesus to come along and show them the way they thought. That was their thinking. What, what do we need this carpenter's son, this, this child that came here? What do we need that for? That was their thinking. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest. Yes, they they still had their tabernacle and they were still making offerings and and they had their own high priest and <clears throat> but this Jesus, who was he to them? They they didn't understand. They didn't understand who he was, what his position is. He's a minister of the sanctuary in heaven. He's of a, what he is now. Maybe then he wasn't. I don't know. Maybe he was. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's not spoken of here. Um, but he speaks of these priests here on the earth that, that thought they were in charge. And it says, priests who serve the example or the semblance, the, the likeness and a shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed thee to thee on, in the mount. So he was shown what to do Exactly. Shown you do it this way. You, this is the design. He, he was told what kind of fabric to make it out of, what color it was to be, all of the decorations, and right, right down to small minutiae, details. And most, he was admonished by God himself. God says, you be sure and make it this way, exactly as you see it. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern, show to thee in the mount. Wow. What a charge. He, he saw these things, and he had to communicate these things to the people who were to make them. And tell them exactly how it was to be. What kind of materials they were to use. What kind of... And on even the people who did it were given special gifts in uh, artis their artisan work, whether it was in weaving or, or metallurgy or, or 
or embroidery, I would imagine. Even these things were talents given of God to make this tabernacle, this tent, exact of quality materials all the way through. All right. But these were just, they were, this tabernacle, this tent, the thing that was here on earth was just a shadow, a likeness. <coughs> Pardon me. A, a something that resembled what was in heaven, but it wasn't exactly duplicate. It was as close as Moses could communicate it. <clears throat> and God admonished him. What, you know, God says, you better do it this way. Who would consider doing it some other way? So, this, but this was not the real thing. This is just a picture, a, a likeness, a, a caricature of that that Jesus or that Moses saw in the heavens, a shadow of heavenly things. But now, verse six, but now he, Jesus Christ has obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. So we have three things here. He was, uh, or well, since that time, it says, but now, since that time, Jesus Christ has been given a more excellent ministry, a, a better ministry. It wasn't an earthly ministry. This is a heavenly ministry of the real thing, the real tabernacle. And he administers a better covenant, a, a better agreement between God and man than the Old Testament in the Old Testament, God said, if you do things my way, the way I want you to, and then I will do this for you. I will fight your battles. I will provide for you. I, would, I will do all of these things. There were promises that were made. But that covenant they didn't keep. They didn't keep that covenant, and God was not pleased with them. And they were... Uh, set at naught. They were set at, said that they don't count. No. Well, not exactly. That, and this new covenant that is built upon better promises. These promises, we've got an excellent, a more excellent ministry, a better covenant, and better promises. Better by how much? Wow. The, the old promises were just earthly. These are heavenly promises. It's funny you even told him about that over in the 31st chapter of Jeremiah. Yes, so that's, that's where we're going next. Oops. Sorry, 
alert. <laughs> <coughs> yep. We're, and so, it, but it's built on better promises. Because if the Old Testament had been faultless, this is ver, verse 7, there would have been no need for the new covenant. But God found fault with them, and he said, and this is where we go to Jeremiah 31. Okay, this Hebrews chapter 8, verse 7, it says, For if that covenant had been faultless, or without, if there weren't flaws, what were the flaws in that Old Testament covenant? It wasn't the covenant, it was, it was them. It was them. That was the problem. They were the problem. They didn't see them that way. They didn't see their own flaws, their own failure, their own even wickedness. They were blinded by their own disobedience. They they sought their own own power, their own design. They they sought men's, men's righteousness, but not God's. But we need to be careful here. We're, on, we're skating on thin ice ourselves. We have human nature too, just like they did. Amen. And so the fault was not in the covenant. God would do what he said he'd do. As a matter of fact, he did do what he said he would do. It also carried some uh, warnings. If you don't do it this way, whoa. We don't even want to go there. We know what they said. But he said, if if this had been a faultless covenant, one without, uh, without failure, the failure was on the part of man. But if, but God saw that this was a, a flawed covenant. But the flaw was in man, and he understood that from the beginning. But he said, had it been flawless, then should no place have been sought for the second. There wouldn't have been any need. And we Gentiles would not have come in. But this is part of God's provision. God knew it was there was fault to it. And he said, there's going to be a new covenant. And that's where we go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31. Let's go there. (laughs) Absolutely. This is a beautiful passage. And verse 31 says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. He says that they broke the covenant. I didn't. They did. Although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. What is husbandry? Tending, taking care of, as 
providing whatever's necessary to, to cause it to prosper. Uh, a farmer is a husband, husbandman of the land that he, he cultivates. He provides the water for it. He plants the seed. He plows it. He does all the things that are necessary to get a crop. And so God says, I was the husband unto them, saith the Lord. He says, I was the one who took care of them. I was the one who provided for them. I was the one who cultivated the, uh, their proper attitude in their hearts. Is that a stretch of that? He said, I, I'm the one that gave them direction. I was the one who led them. He, he led them by a fiery, cloudy pillar out there in, in the wilderness. He said, I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. Though I was an husband, husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. After what days? Where was that dividing line? It was when the, Jesus gave up the ghost on, on the cross. And the temple, the curtain in the temple was ripped in two. That was the second. That was the dividing point right there. This gave man access through Jesus Christ into the Holy of Holies. Wow. After those days. <laughs> Sick. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. This is what's going to happen. This is for, he's talking about Israel there. But by God's grace and through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, we Gentiles are also brought in. And this was part of a mystery that was not understood by the Old Testament prophets or by the angels for that matter. They all desired to look into those things that were coming, the things that were prophesied, but they didn't understand. But he says in verse 34, here in Jeremiah 31, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Well, let's look at that. You don't have to teach people this. They understand it. They know it in their hearts. Those that seek the Lord will know these things. They will receive them. Those who run from them go away, say, I don't, I don't want any part of this. They won't see that. They maybe know they should. 
They, their hearts convict them when they do that. But they do their own thing anyway, which is where Israel failed. They were human, right? Just like you and I. But he says, they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them. This is from the youngest child to the oldest old man. They, they will all know me. Other translations speak of from the youngest to the oldest. And from the least of them unto the greatest. Whether it's uh, standing or stature or whatever, everyone's going to know the Lord. This, in that new kingdom, there isn't going, we won't have to be taught. We'll all know. And we'll see God. We'll be there. From the least of them to the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity. That word iniquity, what do you think that word indicates there? What is iniquity? That it's unrighteousness, wickedness. It's not just unrighteousness, it's wickedness. And I will remember their sin no more. There's unrighteousness, wickedness, sins. And iniquities are iniquities are evil deeds. He says, I'll forgive all of that. Not only will I forgive it, he says, I will remember their sin no more. I won't even remember that they did it. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. Because of his son who is our high priest, the one who is our go-between between God and the majesty on high. It's for his sake, not for mine, not for yours, not for Israel's, but for Jesus' sake. He will forgive their sins and iniquities, their evil deeds and wickedness. He says, I won't remember I won't remember their sins because of Jesus. He is the one who is our mediator, our go-between, our lawyer in the heavenly courts. He is also the judge, by the way. And he, having lived as a man, has the ability to judge men. And he, being the Son of God, has the right to judge. We have a long way to go to be what we should be, but it's only through Jesus Christ that we can be. It's only through him. So here we see this, uh, these verses 31 through 34. Let's go back to Hebrews again. 
Hebrews chapter 8. And let's read verses 8 or verses 9 through 12. It says, Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt, because of because they continued not in my covenant. And I regarded them not, saith the Lord. Uh, he says, I, I, I didn't consider them be, as, as important, is probably the way to say that. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. Does this sound familiar? It's a, it's almost a direct quote from Jeremiah. It's it's almost a direct quote. There are several places here where it varies a little bit. But he said, um, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. So it's going to be a, a mutual agreement here. We have to agree with God. He is the one who holds everything. He's the one who made everything. All, all things that we understand as physical and things beyond the physical as well. He made it. Made things possible. He created gravity. That's how come we stay on the earth and don't just float off. Things like that. We scientists still don't understand gravity. They have measured it. They have looked at it. They have considered uh, gravity as a, a dimple in space-time. They've done all kinds of things of theorizing what it is, but they don't know what it is. <laughs> they can't create it. Even if they did, what would they do with it? God already did it. He has done all things. And, but in those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind. The laws of gravity in, in my mind? Ooh. I'm not sure my brain is able to handle all that. But he'll make it able in that day. Yeah, well, that's, that's one of the good things. We've seen others that made that mistake, right? <laughs> Andy, you have a question. Yes. I think what it is is that we will have a better comprehension, or they will, of what you do and don't do and why, and how it works. And it, it'll just come natural. You've seen people that are really good at math, and it just comes natural to them, and it all makes sense to them. Whereas I have to struggle so hard you can't believe. But, you know, 
I think it's the sense of he's going to make it already automatically in our hearts and minds or theirs that we just do what he wants because it's the right way to do things. Yeah, you don't have to ask. Right. It will be already understood. That's right. Why it says you won't have to tell people to know the Lord because they already will. Right. But gravity is just one of the little incidentals. There are things like serving the Lord will come naturally to us. It'll be that that we desire, what we want. Having compassion, forgiveness, and things like that. Yes. Having compassion for other people. Love was the commandment that Jesus gave to his disciples. Love one another. Love the world even. Even the people who evilly treat you and, and despise you. Love them anyway. That we take for granted now is that we able we are able to read and we're able to look through scripture. Yes. And this particular time, not probably a quarter of of them knew how to read and write and could do these things. Yeah. They did require. That's why they did rely on the priests and the you know the prophets to teach them because they didn't have the ability to 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 physically read it for themselves and comprehend it. Um, but as as we as we've progressed in our you know in our understanding and our and our service to the Lord through study, we're able to read through through study. We're able to the Lord shows us these things, and we're able to comprehend what he what he what what he intends because we have a better understanding if we submit to His will. Yes. Of these things. That's a big if right there. If, if, exactly. <laughs> if. And it's not an exact science because we, there there are many times where each one of us fail to submit. Yes. You know, and Absolutely. that's where we fall short. But, I mean, thank God we have this advocate here. Yes, through Jesus through Christ. Through Jesus Christ who can, Absolutely. who can advocate on our behalf. Um, and who is gracious and loving enough to forgive us, you know, as we seek as we seek His His guidance and, and repent of the things that we do that are that are not in accordance with His. And it was tempted in all ways, like as we are. He was tempted, and so he understands the temptation. But he was without sin, as opposed to us who yield to temptation but that that's where we need him to be our our lawyer our advocate our our go-between however you want to say that he's the one who stands between us and the majesty on high and we are his those that are his are the ones that he intercedes for not the rest of the world he died for the rest of the world but they didn't receive him just like the Israelites didn't receive him as their God as their uh, their all their authority they wanted a king they didn't want they, they wanted a king like all the other nations they didn't want God to be their 
their king. I think that's more important reason why that the scripture tells us to pray without ceasing and to study to show ourselves approved. Because yeah. just like the scripture illustrates, we're like a man that looks in the mirror and when we turn away, we forget what we've seen, what yes. we've like, you know. Um, I think that's the intent there is he knows that as long as we are intently focused on him, and, and, and focused on following after his example and desiring those things which he provides yes then, then all of that all that's taken care of yes because our flesh nature is so forgetful and so oh yeah so short sighted <laughs> yes yes I agree and you know I I don't have to look at you to see that I I can look at me <laughs> you know <laughs> I'm the one that's short-sighted, but, and I'm the flaw, but Jesus died to pay the price of my sin, and I need to go to him for forgiveness. Paul said that what I would, I do not, and what I do, I, I don't want to do. And who's going to save me from the man that I am? He said, I thank God through Jesus Christ. He is the one through whom we have salvation. Not just salvation from hell, but on a daily basis, going to him, asking for forgiveness for the things that we do wrong daily. Moment by moment. The things, you know, I I think of the cartoon Tweety Bird. He says, if I did it, I did a whipping. I do it. <laughs> he said, you know, it's, it's what we are by nature. And we do things that we know are wrong. And, but unlike Tweety Bird, we have a God who has provided a way for us. Jesus is not like Santa Claus. No. Otherwise, the world puts this image out there that he keeps a record of right and wrong and that he rewards you at the end of the day. Uh, you know. Right. Have you been a good little boy? Thank, thank goodness <laughs> that the Lord advocates for us and provides these things for us and shows us a better way. Yeah. Or we'd get a lump of coal in our stocking for sure. <laughs> I'm so thankful that, that the Lord such a better way that we can even in our own sin that we can go to him and he's able to cleanse us of those things. Amen. He says, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. That that word unrighteousness is wickedness. It's translated in other translations as wickedness. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. We know what sins are. That one doesn't need a translation. It's anything that's contrary to God. And their iniquities, evil deeds, the things that we do that we know better than to do. Andy, you have a thing there that... Yes. Not everybody else, him 
serving here that he's merciful to us to forgive us our unrighteousness and our sins and not remember it anymore against us. But then how much it's so powerfully brought to my attention how much it's important to do as he says and pray for our enemies because they don't have an intercession. Right. Yes. We get to be ambassadors for God. Yes. And we, not only that, but if they repent and turn from their sin, God will save them too. Just as He does for us. Just as He did for Israel. But still, even Israel has to come through Jesus Christ now. That's part of this new covenant. The old covenant is gone. Matter of fact, let's read that. In that he saith a new covenant. This is the last verse of chapter 8 of Hebrews. In that he saith a new covenant, he hath made the old, made the first old. He says that one's, that one's gone. It's, it's disappearing. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. To fade out, to just poof, it's gone. And and this new one is now in effect through Jesus Christ. He is our intercessor. He is a, he is the one who allows our iniquities, our evil deeds, our sins, our wickedness to be forgotten, because he has paid the price and. When God looks at me, I want him to see Jesus Christ. I want to be in the likeness of Jesus Christ, to draw closer, to be more like Jesus was as he walked here on the earth, to be forgiving and to be loving. I've heard you quote a lot. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Absolutely. That is our hope. And, and we want Jesus to be seen when God looks at us. I don't want him to see Ed Brown. Ed Brown's shameful. I want him to see Jesus Christ. 
So, we have better promises. Better promises. And that is what the new covenant is based on. That is what Jesus' ministry here on earth was. Jesus became our high priest, the minister before God in that sanctuary in heaven. Not the one here on earth. Not one pitched by man, but the one that God himself pitched. That tent. That, whatever it is, I, I don't know. Why there would be a tent in heaven, I have no idea. But that tabernacle was there. And a tabernacle, a tent, is a temporary dwelling. I don't understand that. This is an eternal dwelling in the heavenly places. Well, this, but this Old Testament has faded away. It's gone. It's defunct. It is the the. Germans say it's kaput, <laughs> it's gone, it's no good anymore. We have a better covenant built on better promises, and Jesus is that is a mediator of that co- new covenant. Well, we'll stop there. It's time anyway, a little bit past. Any any more comments on this? Certainly we are blessed to even have a part of in that at all. These were promises, promises to Israel. We could go back and look there in Jeremiah right after 34, that verse 34, in, and we see that uh, it, is, it speaks of the coming, coming kingdom of God and of Israel having a part in that. And he says that God isn't going to forget his people, Israel. They will be brought in, but it will be through Jesus Christ and not through the law. So we'll not get into that now, but if you want to read that there in Jeremiah, it's chapter 31, verses 35 on. And there are three or four verses there. All right. Thank you very much.